Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Rodeo time, the podcast we have in the house. World champion Patrick Smith. We're at the Stay Driven Ranch. You've been rodeoing for 20 years. We're going to hear about it today. Um, man, where, where, who are you roping with this year? Tanner Tomlinson. Same young. Same as last year. Yeah. Same guy you went to the NFR with. Yes, sir. Sweet. He's, he's meeting you in Denver? He's actually here. Oh, yeah. okay. He's here. Wait, we're, we're riding together to the airport here just a little bit and flying up there. Who drove the horses? Uh, two of Tanner's buddies took the horses because he and I are flying up to meet with uh, Roper Apparel, one of our sponsors. we got to be up there tonight. One quick question before uh, we end the intro and get into your story. It's an amazing story, and it's uh, I wish we'd have had a four-hour podcast. Yeah. But um, how does it work at the NFR when you come in in different places and you're not roping with your partner? How do they choose? How do you guys choose who so, ropes with who? Well, you you designate your partner. So there's 15 and 15, obviously, and sometimes that'll get skewed because one guy maybe wins Houston, and right. then they split up, and then you know it can get skewed like that. But anytime that happens, there's usually one or two odd guys out. So if there's if there's two headers and two healers that their partners didn't make it, they either get on the phone with each other and agree, hey, let's rope. Or the PRCA random draws it. Gotcha. And you get a phone call and you get told. And it never goes that way. Usually what happens is there's a couple of guys that maybe they've roped together or they're buddies or something. And when they see the chance of that happening, like it looks like this guy might not make it, I would prefer to rope with that guy. They get on the phone in September and they're like, hey, if this happens, you want to rope? You bet. And then there's just two odds out. and you know They end up together. Yeah, you better get to liking each other. Yeah. That's so great. I've, yeah. I've, I assumed that's kind of the way it was, like you guys talk to each other. But it's like you work all year, and then it's the most important rodeo <laughs> of yeah. the year, and you're roping with somebody who you may not even have their phone number in your phone. Yes, exactly. Fortunately, that, they obviously rope good. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you got a you. choice. You can go with them, or you can let 16th go and stay home because you didn't want to rope with them. So Yeah. But, yeah, they'll pick for you if you don't pick it. Is it ever like, I'm sure there's times where it's like one guy wants the rope and there's two and it's like a real oh, complex. Yeah. 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 I bet it gets dicey. Yeah. It could probably Dang. get dicey. You just, yeah. One I haven't, fortunately, I've never been in that position, but yeah, I've seen yeah. it. There was just, was it just the one NFR you had to rope with somebody different? Yes, it was. But that was, uh, that was, we were pre planned. So actually, I just lied. I did do that, didn't I? So <laughs> because my partner didn't make it. But that year, yeah, there was only two of us. So gotcha. nothing to get dicey about. Matt's partner didn't make it. My partner didn't make it. So we paired up. Okay. And we knew it. You kind of knew it going in a month early. Like right. we had discussed it before. Like, hey, if this happens, are we going to rope? So yeah. That one was pretty easy. I've just always yeah. – I've, I've, I've made an assumption, but I just – I've never really asked. And so I figured the listeners might might find that interesting. Yeah. Well, look out for um, Patrick. He is staying driven in his 21st year of rodeoing. Pro Rodeon? That's right. 21, 21 years. Yeah. Uh, 2003 was my rookie year. So. Dang. Is it special? Feel good? Yeah. You, do, you feels, feel, do you still feel young? I bet you feel young. I do feel young. I mean, I feel like the rodeos are getting further apart. Like the drives <laughs> seem, I swear that <laughs> it's expanding. The roads are expanding. feels like a long ways, but I love it. I, I do. I have nothing but great things to say about rodeo. I rodeo with my family. I couldn't do it without them. So. Right. I get to take them along with me in the summer is the only reason. When they're done, I'm done. When my family quits going, I'm done going. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Well, we get to hear a story. 
hear about his faith, hear about his horses, his partners. Um, I don't think we even mentioned Trevor. I don't think he came Trevor, up at all. Who? Trevor Brazel. Oh, ah, yeah. Trevor, Trevor Brazel. Brazel. Yeah. Uh, now on to the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Rodeo Time, the podcast. We are at the world, well, welcome to Winnebago. Yeah, new yeah. warehouse. <laughs> yep. I forgot we were going to make that joke. <laughs> this is a new warehouse. I can't, I can't make that joke. This place is too nice. We're at Patrick Smith's. How long have you lived here? I've been here about 15 years now. 15 years. Where were you before this? Midland, Texas, out west in the Thunderdome, oilfield country. Yes, sir. So, uh, like I say, Midland's a great place to be from. I love it over there, but I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, a lot more, a lot more cow. Well, there's a lot of cowboys in Midland, yep. but a lot more rodeo cowboys. I feel like here. Yeah, that's real cowboy country out there. I mean, right. you got to be, <laughs> you got to be a man cowboy to, to live out there in West Texas. You got to want it. Yeah, you got to want it. <laughs> yeah, but rodeo, yeah, it fits better right here. Yeah. Um, what made you move over here, rodeo? A little bit of a combination of things. Yes, my wife is from Weatherford, so I know y'all are already thinking, well, there it is. But it was, she actually moved to Midland with me when we got married. Um, but man, just like anything else, it was happening right here, Stephenville. And there was, there's a lot of guys that rope good out there, but if you wanted to be where I was wanting to be, you needed to get around where everybody was the best. I mean, you know, you can't be the best guy in the, in the, arena at all times right you, unless unless you're Deborah. i take right. that back unless you're db <laughs> so uh that's why we moved over here just because competitive and the ropings and everything else i knew i needed to be in the middle of it well um if you would maybe just share with us the the patrick smith story like if yeah. you had to tell somebody you know just wherever you want to start in it well i can go back as far as you want <laughs> but uh you know, I was, my story is a little bit different just because um, I wasn't raised around horses. I wasn't raised around rodeo. Um, to be honest, I didn't even know that rope, team roping uh, was a thing, much less a thing that you could make a living doing. So um, for the first 15 years of my life, I lived in a little neighborhood in Midland, Texas. My dad owned a, uh, well, his dad owned, my grandfather owned a uh, heating and air conditioning business. And my mom was a school teacher at a private Christian school for zero dollars. She just volunteered. Dang. And uh, that was the school I went to. So, yes, my mother was my teacher for first grade. So get you some of that. Yeah. Try, try that on. <laughs> um, anyways, grew up in town, didn't ride horses. I rode motorcycles. I had a YZ125 was my, was my horse of choice back then. Yep. And we went to the Sand Hills on the weekends. That's what we did. We rode motorcycles. I wore shorts and cut off sleeve shirts. And <laughs> the totally different lifestyle than what I'm into now. But uh, when I was 15 years old, was going to that small private Christian school, and some people moved from California. They were the pastor's son and daughter-in-law. And they put a flyer up in our school that said riding lessons, $10. And they were going to start teaching some of the kids in school to ride horses. Told my parents I was like any other kid. I wanted to ride a horse, so I went out and started doing that and fell in love with it and actually started helping them. with the, You know, I'd go saddle or what I thought was saddling. I might have put it on backwards at that point. 
but worked my earned my way to get free lessons and they team roped and so I stayed out there one day and I'll never forget going down and watching them rope in the arena told them I wanted to uh I wanted to get into it and they said well we got to get you where you can stay on the horse first and so I would take a riding lesson and then Stan McNerland would sit in a chair with a bale of hay and a head in it and He'd sit in the lawn chair in front of it and let me teach me how to rope the dummy. And I fell in, fell in love with it. Yeah, I was 16 years old. A flyer <laughs> on the at school? No. Or at church? It was, the flyer was at school. Yeah, the flyer was at school. Mm-hmm. Dang. That is a, a, a really – that's a new one for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So in, nobody, in, nobody in my school did it. Nobody – like I said, I, the school had – I had nine kids in my class. It was very yeah. small. And nobody roped. Uh, so I started doing it still with zero idea that there was any way to compete at doing it. I just enjoyed it. So I got a dummy, fell in love with it, started heading, then realized that you could compete doing this and started. I actually had a choice when I was 16 years old. My, I could have I worked all summer for my dad, saved up $900 cash. I took a picture of it spread out on the table. <laughs> I was so proud. You were banking. <laughs> I was banking. And then there's, I don't even know if anybody knows what the thrifty nickel is, but the thrifty, oh, yeah. yeah. So remember the thrifty nickel, uh-huh. there was a horse for sale for nine fifty, And Dang. Stan told me, I bet if you take that 900 cash, I bet you'll get it done. So I go over there to try my first horse. And I had a choice of a truck or a horse. And I chose the horse. I went and bought it. It was literally, I named this horse chance. Um, when we got there, he was eating dog food <laughs> on the back porch <laughs> of this lady's trailer house <laughs> yeah, out of a dog bowl. And she's like, he's a pet. I love him. And uh, she jumps on this horse, and I'm like, I want to try him out. And she goes, let me show you what he's got. We never discussed anything. I didn't say I'm looking for a team roping horse. I just needed a horse, period. Yeah. She was a rather large lady. She saddles him hops on him, walks down to her arena, and whips him around the barrels <laughs> and brings him back, and I said, I'll take you. <laughs> he looks like exactly what I need. Would you take $900? And she said, of course I will. So bought him, and uh, that was where I started my roping career was on a dog eating, dog food-eating barrel horse. Dang. <laughs> that's cost perfect. $900, yeah, and it was a wreck for a long time. I, I mean, as a matter of fact, the first place I took him to, I kind of had him blown up. And I had to ride him to the arena. It was two and a half miles. I had to ride him to an arena on Tuesdays and Thursdays to practice. Because you didn't have a truck. Right. I didn't have a truck. I didn't have a trailer. I didn't have an arena. I had one acre pin at my grandparents' place at that time. And uh, he was just turned out in that. And so I rode down there. And when I rode him in the box the first time, he reared up and walked right into the chute and stuck his front feet to the prefer chute. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. So it was a long road, uh, and this podcast is not long enough for me to get to the point where I could rope on him, but we did. I was <laughs> I was heading and healing on him just a few short months later. That is wanting it. I, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah, It sounds like that I walked uphill to school both, you know, both ways in the snow and all that stuff, but it is a true story. I actually just, when we were at Odessa last week, I drove my kids down the road. And I said, I need to show you all something because I rode – Along Rankin Highway, Highway 349, four lanes of oil field traffic. I rode a horse to practice. Yeah. They're like, how far is it? And I drove them. And it was two and a half miles. And they're like, you did not. I said, I Dang. promise. I did. That's what we did. 
That rascal was legged up. Yeah. He was legged up when we got there. Yeah. We changed his feet around, got him on some high protein kibble. Yeah, he looked he looked more like a greyhound dog. I knew nothing, and that's the thing about my story. And you know, Trevor, they love to share the my first NFR picture because I, I had a hat that definitely looked like I was from West Texas. Yeah, taco shaped. Right. I mean, when I went to my senior prom, I had the Garth Brooks edition. Or maybe it was Brooks and Dunn edition. It was the shirt that was half white and half blue. Yep. And no joke, I had the buckle with the eagle on it. With the big eagle. Because <laughs> I was a cowboy now. <laughs> and you and your date rode that $900 horse. <laughs> right. On the way to prom. That's right. Man. So, so that, that, that uh, did, did you high school rodeo or anything? Or? No, I didn't high school rodeo. So like I said, I was 16 when I started learning to ride. That took a little while. I was 17 once I started kind of team roping and heading a little bit. By the time I was 18 years old, I was getting into healing just a little bit. A guy gave me a goat that I chased around under a light pole out there and learned how to – that goat taught me more about healing than anything else. And once I started getting competitive with that, um, by then it was too late. I was out of high school. And so when I graduated high school, I went straight to work full-time for my dad. Um and then I was getting more and more into jackpotting and going, and um, that doesn't mix well with jobs. There's just you, It's hard to have a job and get better at roping and go to the jackpot. So I went to work for my brother um, in a cable company, which is a seismographic cable, not like a TV cable. So worked there. Um, another quick story is I left for lunch one day. There's a little Mexican food place, Manuals, right there on the, inter- on the highway. And a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, we got 30 freshies we're going to break in this afternoon, 2 o'clock. Can you be there? And I'm like, you bet I can. So yeah. I just didn't go back to work. I just went and broke in freshies the rest of the afternoon. boy. <laughs> yeah. And got fired by my brother the next morning. Dang. Yeah. True story. And so then I went to work. I, I thought I need to do something at this point to work at night and make money because I needed to get better. And I found a horse that I wanted, which is the horse that's behind me painted on the wall over here, Jaws. Yep. yep. Um, and I ended up getting a loan for him for $6,000. And I went and got a job at Chili's waiting tables. Dang. Yeah. Another so, just, just wanting it. Yeah. No, no choice. So, yeah. so you at that point, like you, you were already starting to like picture yourself, like you knew you wanted it. Like, as far as, like, a career. Like, it wasn't just... You know, to, to be honest with you, I think I, I have a addictive personality and competitive personality anyway, and I just love to do stuff all in. And I, I really don't think at 18 years old, I even had it in my mind that I want to rodeo for a living. I just wanted to be good at it. I wanted... I was surrounded by guys. JoJo Lamont lived over there. Seth Smith and Kyle Logston, they're... Uh, Josh Patton, there were several guys around there that when I watched them rope, I was in awe. Like, I could not believe how good they were at what they did, and I wanted that. I just wanted to be good, yeah. not even knowing, you know, that, that this might turn into a career. And I, I would say I was probably 19 when I was healing a, little, a lot more, and my number was low enough that it was, you know, if you could just go catch steers, you could win money. And I started winning money, and that's when I realized – this is way better than a job. I mean, good, yeah. you know, it's like 
my dad says the only thing you can't give a team roper is a job. That's the only thing they're going to take from you. <laughs> so I started really zoning in on, man, I, I would love to do this for a living. And that's where rodeo come in, came into play. And then it became my dream to rodeo and make the finals. So was it, was it like, I can imagine when you went from working at Chili's and to making money team roping, was it when you went to focus completely on roping, was there a big jump financially for you as far as income? Well, there was no income. Yeah, I, I went from, so working at Chili's was just a way for me to make my horse payment. I had a hundred and I think it was $167 a month payment. Um, by this time I did have a truck. I had a F-150 uh, single cab long bed 1983 with the orange stripe down the side right. it was awesome Dang. and a one horse and so the one horse cost me $500 my dad helped me buy the truck for $1,600 and uh, so now I had a rig you know and I was I would drive from wherever I was I would rope I, I promise this is the truth you can back me up on this I would rope it I didn't have an arena yet, so I would rope at my buddy's house across the street. I would drive to Monty McLean's house and rope uh, in the afternoon. And then that evening, I would go to Bobby Boyd's house and practice with him. Ended up getting a little job for Bobby, making 150 a week, saddling his horses, cleaning stalls, feeding, having everything ready for when he got off work at 6 o'clock. He would show up and spin me steers, and then I put everything up. And I would leave his house and drive to Scotty Rain's house in Odessa, and rope more, and I had one horse. Dang. And, I mean, he was a warrior. So he you were always healing. No, I would head, heal, whatever whatever would allow for me to have the best chance at that time to win at my number. And then as I kind of gradually got better and my number started getting higher, I did start just healing all the time. I mean, once I had head and figured out, I was like, heading's easy. You know? Right. So what? So <laughs> that's, for, that's for my head. <laughs> yeah, just get under that right horn. Yeah, I was like, this is yeah, right horn, left horn, saddle horn. I mean, man, I need to heal. It's impossible right. to miss. Yeah, yeah. That's so what I tell everybody when Team Roping started, they sat back and said, "We got to do something to make this harder heading." So that's where the barrier came in. <laughs> we get this is not fair. We got to do something. To make this it is not fair. <laughs> yeah. What uh. So what came next? So I was, at, at that point, I was, uh, like I said, 19, maybe 20 years old, decided at that point <clears throat> that I wanted to rodeo. And I remember talking to my dad, and I said, I want to be a world champion. That's my goal. And uh, my dad is an amazing man, great father. So I don't want this to be derogatory in any way, but I remember he looked at me and said, do you know how many people say that? And I said, I do know how many people say it. And I said, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to stop till I do it. Yeah. And he never doubted that. I mean, he never, he, but he did bring reality, you know, that I don't have the money. I can't fund this. So you're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And I would jackpot. And when it went good, I would go to the next one. And when it didn't, I would work. I'd figure something out. I hocked my sister's stereo <laughs> one time to Credit World when she was in college. Um, got $300 for it. And went to San Angelo and roped in the Rope America roping and lost the three hundred dollars. Dang. Didn't go the way I didn't go the way I planned. I don't know really what happened. And uh but I had a little time and I think that ended up costing me about twelve hundred to get that back 
the interest just kills you in those deals. Right. Yeah. Be careful with credit <laughs> world prices <laughs> like that. Interest so kills. Prices. Uh, yeah. So I just, man, beg, borrowed, steal, whatever. I mean, not, not literally steal, but just whatever it took. And I, then I got another job for an oil field company uh, called Oxypermian in Goldsmith because a buddy roped in Goldsmith over there and they were some team ropers and it was kind of a gravy job. I'd hang signs on oil field pads and we'd kill. And I was doing that to make money. And as soon as I got enough money, oh, this is another, don't do this. Kids, don't do what I'm telling you to do, what I, what I did. Uh, same thing, uh, working for this guy, amazing boss named Steve. And I would do that and practice in the evening. Then some guys, it was July was coming up, and they were like, hey, we're going to go to Mescalero, Capitan, all these amateur rodeos in July. Do you want to go? And I just went for the, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And I went. I didn't tell my boss I was going. This is terrible. I feel Thanks. like didn't do it. Left for two, two and a half weeks rodeoing. And I get home broke. So I'm like, I, I'm just going to go back to work. And I just show up one morning at 7 a.m. Like nothing happened. <laughs> like I've been there every day. And I remember sitting in his office and I'm so nervous that I'm fixing to just get screamed at. And he has a line of people that every morning you had to go check in with him. And I go, I'm next. And I walk in and he's looking down at these papers. And he looks up and he goes, hey, man. <laughs> where where have you been? I was like, oh, I've been, I had to run to some ropings and stuff. I just acted like we talked about <laughs> it. <you know. laughs> hey, Pat. He kind of looks down. He goes, well, get down there to the tire shop and see if you need any help. <laughs> I'm back in, man. It worked. <laughs> I didn't get fired this time like last time. So uh, I worked there for a few months probably and until the same thing. As soon as, just like any rodeo guy that really wants it, you got to just get on your feet. When you get when you get knocked down, you got to figure out how to get back on your feet. And so I've had several jobs, um, and then eventually led into uh, I went to Odessa, Texas, to the rodeo, and I remember I bought a I had a old like a cloth rope bag, and I went and I wanted to go get everybody's autograph, and I got at that time Steve Northcott, Steve Priscilla, just you know recently won the world and. I got their autograph. I got Jake Barnes and Clay O'Brien Cooper's autograph, Alan Bach. I mean, all my heroes, you know. Yeah. I, and I still have that road bag. I got their autographs on it. Dang. And they, in that, I'd, I had Jaws now, the other horse. And I, Bobby Boyd, the guy that I roped with every night, he knew these guys. So one evening, Clay O'Brien Cooper, Jake Barnes, Alan Bach, and I can't even remember who he was roping with at the time. I don't even think that guy came out there, but they came to Bobby Boyd's. So I worked the shoot for them. And being the guys they were, I'll, uh, I'll never forget, they were like, hey, it's your turn. I want to watch you rope a few. So now I got Alan Bach pushing steers up, Clay O'Brien Cooper opening the shoot. You can imagine how nervous I am. Right. I'm, I'm, pro I'm a lower-numbered guy. I'm probably a – I mean, if in this number system, maybe a five-plus or a six. And uh, was just kind of getting it figured out. Well, I rope. And Alan Bach comes up to me, and he's like, I really like that horse. And so we get to talking and kind of hit it off, and he says, then he calls me and says, how'd you like to come to work for me in Weatherford? He had like 23 or 24 horses that he needed to sell. He got into a deal with, with a guy on a bunch of horses. And so I moved to Alan Bach's place, 
and I lived in a six-horse trailer with just a bed. And so there was no living quarters, just had a mattress in it. And I stayed <laughs> in there and would get up in the morning, and he had an apartment where his other guy that worked for him lived. And when he'd get out, I'd go in there and shower and get cleaned up, and then we saddled and rode horses all day. And Alan really liked my horse, and so that relationship started, and we, he helped me with my roping, and I progressed and progressed. And then he hooked me up with Gary Poitras, who Gary Poitras is responsible for the numbering system in roping. He's the one that designed the USTRC's number system, which is gotcha. the handicap system. Roped good, and he uh, tells me one day that uh, he wanted a rodeo, and I told him I didn't have the money, and he said, I got a lot of problems, but money's not one of them. And he said, so if you do your job – Help me take care of this. I'll take care of our fees and for half of what we win, whatever it was. And I went my first year on my permit and filled my permit with Gary Poitras. And then Alan Bach also set up the next year. Now I'm 22. Um, we set up the next year, and he calls T. Woolman, world champ, and says, I got a kid that you need to consider. He's got a great horse, and uh, need to rope with him. So at any time you need to. Shut me up. Just tell me. I'm no, 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 no. So I'm all ears. Yeah. So I go, at, at this point, it gets really confusing because I've met Christy, who is now my wife. And it's a bad time to get into a relationship. <laughs> I would think when you're, things were finally going yeah. my way. <laughs> when you're getting the opportunity to rope with T. Woolman, who I love T. I mean, he's an amazing guy, but he was pretty strict. He yeah. by the rules, and he was, he, he was taught by Leo Camarillo you know, the lion. So there wasn't a lot of, there was never any gray area with T. Woolman. There was always, you knew exactly where you needed to be, when you needed to be there and how it was going to go or it wasn't going to go. And anything that was my idea was not considered. We were doing this his way. So Alan Box sets that up. I get on the phone with T. Woolman and I said, I would love to rope. He asked me a few questions. He says, be at my house this weekend and just drive down, and I wanted to have a practice session with you. It uh, happens to be the first day that I was set up on a blind date with my now wife. Haven't met her in person. Only spoke to her on the phone. Um, we'd, uh, no, I take that back. We had just had our first blind date at Mesquite Pit. She was a hostess there at the steakhouse in Weatherford. Met her, set up our first date. And uh, it was the same day that T. Woman says, be at my house at this time. So I'm like, I can swing it. I can, I can make it back. So I go to T's house. We rope for a few hours. Roping went good. And just like I've said the whole time, I'll never forget, like it was yesterday, we roped the last steer. He says, okay, this, this is the short round at Denver. It was a big yellow steer. He runs him down there, turns him, I heal him, and he stops his horse, lets his rope go. He says, come here. He says, I'm going to enter with you. At Odessa and Denver. But if it don't go good, I got a family family to feed, and I don't need another kid to raise. Dang. Just like that. And I said, that's all I'm asking for is a chance. That's all I want. So I go get – oh, no. Then he says, do you have the money to, rode, to rodeo? I said, yes, sir. And I did have enough money to rodeo at Odessa and Denver. <laughs> that was <laughs> – so I answered the question honestly. I literally had probably a couple thousand bucks at the most, maybe not even that much. 
And uh, so he says, yeah. And I hustle home. I stop at a rest area. On the way home, there's a little place right there, and there was this pond, and I remember I got out. I mean, you got to remember as a 22-year-old kid, I came from nothing. I've never had anything. I've Chili's, the oil field companies, the late nights, the working nights, all the stuff has all come to a head, and this is my, you know, right. the Eminem song. This is your shot. Yeah. You got yeah, one yeah. shot, you know. That's what it felt like anyway at that time. I pull over, get out, walk over in there, and I remember praying. I said, God, if I believe in you, I pray for, you know, if this is what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to need some help. We, right. The, I, I got I to gotta have you on my side in this. Got in, was three hours late to my date. Fortunately, she had already fallen, obviously had already fallen madly in love with me from the <laughs> first time we met. So she, uh, I go out with Christy that night and then tell her, hey, uh, I'm going to rope with the woman this next year. And we're all excited and, you know, high-fiving and everything. Time rolls around and we enter Odessa and T broke the barrier and missed the first year and I was so relieved I was so happy <laughs> yeah I was like thank god that he didn't right. just spin the wheels off one right here and me lay it behind yeah, yeah, him, yeah. you know and especially my hometown rodeo that's right by over by Midland so and then we didn't do any good on the second one and I really think he messed up that one too so I'm scot-free other than I'm almost out of money <laughs> right and we entered the jackpot and they had the Sand Hills Classic and we went second at the jackpot and I went four thousand dollars wow now I'm set you know, yeah, we're, we're well on our way. We leave there, go to Denver, and win second at Denver. Dang. And I don't remember how much we win, but we win several thousand dollars. Maybe place second in the short round, win second in the average. We left there and went to, I believe it was San Angelo was next then, and went second at San Angelo. Austin won second. Houston went second. Um Maybe four, it was like, I think it was six or seven big rodeos in a row. I went second in the average at every rodeo we went to. Wow. Other than Odessa, once it started. And so now I really am like, this is way better than having a job. I I can't believe that I didn't do this earlier, you know. Right. And I'm thinking I'll never see another broke day. So at that time, you're talking 2003, I'm 23 years old. So I'm an older rookie, you know. I'm not 18 like a lot of these guys. And, uh. I think I'm set. I've got 30-something thousand won in the winter, and I think that year it took thirty-nine or 40000 to make it. Dang. So I'm dang near in. Right. And uh, this story could go on forever, but T ends up cutting me in July. Uh, no, June. We're headed to the BFI, and we get in an argument. And T, if you watch this, th- th- this story, <coughs> there's a happy ending to it. So – I miss at Amarillo at a U.S. roping for him, and he's harsh, and he he's convinced that I'm not roping as good because of my new girlfriend. Mm. She's hot. I'm spending a lot of time with her. She's going with me all these rodeos, all these ropings. She's always there. He has an amazing head horse. Things are going our way. And in his defense, being 42 now, I've got a 22-year-old partner. I see it. I see what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> We got to take care of business right now. I mean, yeah, she's beautiful and she's sweet, but she'll be beautiful and sweet in a few more years too. Let's l- just finish this out. But I didn't understand that. So 
we get into an argument about it on the way there, and I I said something that I'd never said uh, to T, and I just had had enough, and I said, listen, if I got to be like you, I don't want to rodeo anyway. If that's what it takes to be a world champion, I'll pick something else. Yeah. He didn't say anything else from Amarillo to Reno. That's a long ways. That's a long ways. <laughs> and I ways. drove every mile. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I pulled over. I said, do you want to drive? And he said, no, I'm not. I drove. I've drove for 40 years. You're, it's your turn. Yeah. I'm not driving. Get to Amarillo or get to Reno, drove to BFI, went on doing any good, and I get cut. Yeah. At the rodeo. We went second in the average at Reno after he cuts me. So I've already got the finals made. He's got the finals made. And I finished the year out with Jason Stewart. Um, Jason didn't have much one, didn't we didn't he didn't make the finals that year, and I wrote my first NFR in 03 with Matt Tyler. And we made the finals, or, or won the average at the finals. And 2004, the wheels came off, didn't go good. Roped with Tyler Magnus, uh, didn't make the finals, didn't go good. And then 2005, I roped with Clay Trine. That's when I won my first world title, and things really kicked off from that point. But long story short and all of that, well, it was a long story long, actually, but I didn't ever really have the dream of rodeoing for a living until – I was rodeoing for a living until I was actually out there, pushed all my chips in, said, this is it. And then you, then it was all about not going back. Yeah, not going back to Chase. <laughs> I didn't want to go back to Chase. Yeah. I didn't know that when you wait tables that when everybody leaves, you have to stay and cut lemons and clean the tables and refill the salt shakers and stuff. There's a lot more to it. You don't just you don't just <laughs> hand them food to get tips. For those of you thinking about chilies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, way more to it than I. For those of I you thinking about working at chilies, just consider. <laughs> yep. Um. So you said there was a happy ending to it. Okay, so I'll back up. You're right. Uh, so in 2004, um, another kind of cool story that. I just think it pays off to have grit. I think it pays off to have uh, just that extra little something inside of you that won't say no. So in 2004, I meet a guy in Midland that offers me a fuel card. And he gives me a fuel card. And Tyler Magnus, at this time, in his defense, he was an amazing healer. He's an amazing header. He had a TV TV show going at the time. Couldn't spend much time really working at it. Our deal didn't go very good in the winter. I think we won probably nothing, actually. Zero dollars. Summer's coming on, and I call T. Woolman, and I said, hey, I want to rope again. Because I I knew him and his partner he was roping with. His partner must have got a new girlfriend or something because they (laughs) wouldn't have. So I'm like, hey, I'd like to rope again. And I said, "I I have a fuel card, if that's enticing in this. And this guy, I've already okayed it with him. He said, I can pay the fuel for the rig. So he thinks about it. He calls me back. He says, okay, I'm gonna, let's rope. And I said, I've learned a few things. Still with Christy, we're actually, at this point, we're married. Or no, we're, yeah, no, I'm sorry, we're getting married. And uh, we kicked this deal off. And the week before, I'm, I'm in Corpus Christi going to the rodeo. And Christy and I stop at a fuel station, fill my truck up, and it wasn't working, and I set the credit card on top of the pump. Again, don't do that. Don't do that. And I drive off, and I leave it. I start roping with T-Woman the next week, 
and I leave, literally get two miles down the road and realize it. Spin around, go back, it's gone. Damn. And I'm like, surely the girl in here gets it. I go in there, and I, to this day, this girl's so guilty. I know <laughs> she took it. It's late. Nobody else is there. Nobody pulled in there. Somehow she saw it. I don't know. It's gone. I look all around. It didn't blow off. It wasn't one of those things. So I lose the card. So I leave there and immediately call this man, and I'm like, hey, I lost that card. He's kind of upset. He's like, well, let me get it shut off, and, uh, you know, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. So he shuts it off. I think it's, this is, must have been on, like, a Thursday or something. He has 70 or 80 employees, and when he shuts that card off, the next day it stops payment on his entire company's checks, and all of oh. his guys – have to go without pay for the weekend because their checks wouldn't cash. Like, <laughs> dang, catastrophe, right? <laughs> so now he's really mad about it, and I lose the field card. And he says, I'm going to just, he says, come to my office, and he gave me $1,500 check and said, I just want to help you with this. So. No more field card. No right. more field card. Here's a severance. So I got two choices. Call T. Woman and say, hey, uh, looks like I don't have that field card. <laughs> That, and I, after I've asked him to rope. So I didn't tell him. I paid for all the fuel. And I was, didn't have the money to pay for the fuel. But we, I stuck to it. I never told him that. never told him I lost the card. I just paid for the fuel. We rodeoed because I didn't want to lose my chance. Again, I felt like I was in that again. And we go on that year. T makes the finals. I don't. I end up 18th by just a little bit. Golly. But I did get to cut T. It was kind of almost <laughs> worth all of it, you know. <laughs> so Clay Tryon at that time gets a really good head horse and has a great finals, and he and I decided to rope. His wife and my wife are friends, and we, we decided to rope in 2005. So I called T and tell him, and it was not a bad thing. He's, yeah. he's like, I get it, you know. So yeah. rope with Clay Tryon the next year, and um, earlier that year before T and I roped, he made a comment to me, and he said, you need to just – T had a tough love mentality, but we were riding around somewhere, and he said, you need to just quit because he said, you're going to have to ride around with a pillow because you're going to get your tail kicked so much. Your butt's going to be so sore. You need to just quit and go back to work is what you need to do. And they, I think he knew maybe that was going to build a fire in me or something. Right. So Clay Trine and I, the next year, T makes the finals. I make the finals. Clay and I have an unbelievable year, won the BFI, win the world. And so Christmas, I bought a, one of those donut pillows and I autographed <laughs> it and sent it to Pete <laughs> for his Christmas gift. <laughs> That's good. So T and I are great, great friends. He was a huge part of my career and kicking it off. And the one thing I do appreciate about the tough love and the way that he was is it taught me if you want to be success, successful at this, there are no gray areas. You got to want it and yeah. no excuses. And there was no excuses with T. With T. Woman, I can promise you that. So that was the happy ending in it. My career ended up being great. He was a huge part of that, um, even though he was kind of hard on me at first. But it all, yeah. it all paid off. Man, I can't imagine being a fly on the wall in that car ride to right. Reno. It's <laughs> a long one. <laughs> it took me a long time to get to the point where I finally, and I did. I just was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of it i can't i can't take the verbal yeah. abuse anymore you've got to stop right 
Stop yeah. telling me you can heal that heal that steer. You know, right. so he's he knew what he was doing. He just handled it in a different way, and and obviously, and he's a legend in this game. But that generation, that's how they did it. Right. I mean, they would sit on the fence and sit on the box. They said Leo Camarillo would sit on the box, and when he was winning something, whoever rode in, he would just start talking to them and tell them you're ready to rope a right leg or, you know, you can't catch right. the steer. It was totally opposite of what you get today, more of the camaraderie and the, hey, good job, high five. They didn't do that back then. It was their yeah. money, your money against my money. Right. And when when we're in the arena, we're enemies. I mean, that's how they were back then. So I get it. I get where all that came from. What – uh do you, are there any other, like, just off the top of your head, any other big changes that you've seen, like, as, you know, as far as, like, it sounds like there were some hard-knock guys, but, like, as far as just team roping as a as an event across the board? Man, it's just, um, yeah, I've I've been around long enough now, two, almost two decades. This will be my 20th year pro rodeoing, and it does. It's evolved so much. I think what's changed the most, um, first of all, the camaraderie side of it, you know, you may not, you may not want to say good job sometimes because you're you've lost whatever. But the sportsmanship has definitely improved, I think, and I think that in the end, we all know we're in this together, and everybody's a big family. And even though you might be a little mad that they're winning more than you're winning, or what you know, yeah, it's still your money against my money. But there's enough other money out there. We need to support each other and help each other. That's kind of helped. Another thing you see a lot more of is families going. Rigs have evolved um, to where you see wife and kids, you know, in T Woman's day, they left. There wasn't a yeah. cell phone. They wouldn't see them for months. You didn't see your wife. Yeah. You know, you got a pay phone call, and if they didn't answer, we'll try again in a after days. the fourth run. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. yeah. And that's what Jackie Woman said. She wouldn't hear from him for, like I said, sometimes months. So, so. after 2005, how did it progress then? So Clay Trine and I roped two, 2005, had a fairy tale year, 2006, just a mediocre year, had a bad finals, didn't rope very good, neither one of us. Um, I'd lost my good horse. He was uh, hurt at that point. 2007 um, is where Trevor and I decided to rope. And that's where I was really able to help him excel his career. Help him. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of get his name out there where people, yep. you know, so Trevor and I he, he Trevor was to you as you were to T Woman. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I got you. <laughs> I'm like, hey man, I really believe yeah. that if you'll rope with me, I think I can help you all the all the way around and probably yeah. possibly even get you into this all around stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might. Yeah. I mean, we can get you out of that chill. I don't want a calf rope. I don't want a steer rope, but I can make sure coach it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I can bring you along. And yeah. I think he thought I healed good enough, coached good enough that he needed me. Yep. Getting to that next level. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> so Trevor and I start roping in 07. Um, same thing, man. We just – I had never seen that side of rodeo. Not knocking Clay Trine or Matt Tyler or T. Woolman. I had never seen the joking, fun, good, bad, or ugly, I'm out here to enjoy what I'm doing side of rodeo. I'd rode, I'd been taught to ride the roller coaster of when we're winning, we'll eat and we'll have fun. When we're losing, we're not eating and we're going to make ourselves miserable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of Trevor's lines is, well, you can be a, a 
loser or you can be a malnutrition loser, whichever way you want to do it. I'm eating. So <laughs> you want to torture yourself more, go ahead. And because uh, I had just been taught. Right. Another quick T. Woman story. I roped a leg at Lovington, New Mexico, and we left Lovington, New Mexico. Stop at a Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I go up and order the little tender side or whatever, and I said, I want a, a leg. And I go sit down, and then T orders behind me, and I'm sitting at the table fixing to eat, and another leg just lands on my plate. He says, <laughs> you order two legs from now on. You hear me? You don't ever order one leg. <laughs> so, well, anyways, Trevor and I are opening in 07, but um, – I remember, I, well, I think we kind of kicked it off at maybe Huntsville. And he turns me a pretty good steer, and I rope a leg on the first one. Man, I was used to, you know, cowering down a little bit, like, you know, here we go again. And he did. I'm not going to sit here and brag on him the whole time, because like everybody else does, because I, I can bust on him a little more than most people. Right. But he did. He comes up, and he goes, hey, man, nobody believes in you more than me. Just right around there. I'm going to keep, I'll do my job, keep turning them. I know you're going to heal them. I'm like. Not really what I was expecting, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we start roping, make the finals that year, um, do do a pretty good year in 08, rope together again, and won the average together. But the main thing was was our vi- our vision. I was working hard, he was working hard, and we had fun. And that's what – I had opportunities to rope with some guys after I started roping with Trevor that honestly – not knocking him, but they maybe had the best head horse, and that's all they did. And it might have been an opportunity for me to get to more ropings, to maybe even have a chance to to do better. But I didn't want want to because I was having fun. And uh, right. we said that. We said there might have been teams that won more than we did, but nobody had more fun than we did. Yeah. So 07, 08, 09, uh, we roped together. Um, in 2009, we had a pretty good year. And uh, – Went into the finals and we won twenty seven hundred dollars in ten nights. Dang. Yeah. We won one sixth place check. Dang. Yeah, Trevor really struggled that week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, it was actually it was awful for both of us. But just another quick example of him. We we actually told this story on on a deal we did about him a while back, but we're walking through the tunnel after the tenth round. I think he roped himself in the 10th round. I really do. I think he blew his spoke and roped himself in the 10th round. Look it up. And if I – maybe I'm in. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure Trevor roped himself. So it was just a way to cap it off. You know, it was like, we got one more shot. We're going to win this round. No, he ropes himself. So that was just capped off our year. But we get to the tunnel. It's miserable. We just worked our whole year and embarrassed ourselves in front of the world. Yeah. And he says – we got two choices. We can let this break us or we can go home and get to work and get better. Yeah. Again, I'd never heard that. I'd never seen that emotion so suppressed so quickly that, you know, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to fix it? We're not going to sit here and throw our sucker in the dirt. So we do. We go home, get to work. Um, I make a list of every steer we roped that year, what we placed, first round, second rounds, third rounds, averages, all that stuff. Did my homework. Showed up to Trevor's, going to show it to him. Didn't know. He didn't even look at it. He didn't acknowledge it was all for nothing. So, anyways, he, I, I, we bear down, start working at it, get back to the finals in 2010, and very next year set the all-time record at that time and win the world championship together. 
Dang, but dang. I'm convinced that attitude way beyond ability or anything else came into play in that. To where if that had been me in my younger days, I wouldn't have known to handle it that way. So that's what changed for me as far as roping with Trevor. And then we roped together for, I think it was a total of maybe 12 years that we roped together. Lots of traveling, lots of lots of stuff and, and lots of life things. We, we always joke that when we started roping, we were a table of four. And now we're a table of 10. So our family's expanded and yeah i taught him you know how to have kids and yeah he needed to do <laughs> brought him along just like i did in all around stuff did uh <laughs> was who i mean i just i'm not trying to make it a competition with your partners but like i feel like does does he not work the hardest out of everybody I mean, I feel like he had to to be that competitive in that. He, many did, he did. Now he eats and yeah. doesn't <laughs> like, he doesn't do much of anything. He's retired, and I mean, he looks it, he acts it, he he, and he fell right into retirement. I'm yeah, proud yeah. of him. He was so excited, like a glove. I yeah. mean, retirement fits him like a glove, head first. So, yeah. no, uh, yeah, he did. He he outworked everybody, and and anybody that said there's so many people that say things that when they're not. <laughs> in the element and I compare it to us watching a football game or whatever and you always wonder why they threw that there or why they did it is so easy from the couch or from not even necessarily from the couch from outside looking in and I was in with him I watched him through the when he struggled in the steer rope and when he struggled in the calf rope and when he struggled in the team rope and whatever it was and he had to shut it off and I think him being a multi-event guy the way he was, it strengthened him because he knew if he broke the barrier to win the round in the team roping, he had the saddle bronc riding to get over it. Right. Not nine hours on to the next one. Yep. He had to get over it right now. And if he didn't get over it, then he had to get over both events, you know. <laughs> and I think that that strengthened him, and I think it made him – he was mentally so tough – that that's where they couldn't beat him. He'll tell you, talent, you know, I, I, that as far as roping, there are way more talented guys than me, than him, than so many. Tanner Tomlinson, the kid I'm rope, rope talent is off the charts, you know, just what they can do with the rope. JoJo Lamont, those guys are so yeah. much handier with the rope. But when it came to the work ethic of being good with his hands and his feet on a horse and – getting entered right and getting the better runs and keeping his horses sharper. That's where he excelled beyond them. And then when it came to being affected emotionally is what really kicked it into overdrive for him, I think, because it is an emotional roller coaster. There's no way around it. I mean, we, we can't all go 90 every time. <laughs> so, well, I just can't <laughs> imagine the time that maybe – you do get it figured out. You do recover. You are there mentally, and you do your part, but then your partner right. drops the ball or just, you know, maybe and, – and maybe it's not even halfway their fault if that's such a thing. Man, okay. that's a tough one, and that's the part of team roping, and especially healing. I mean, there's times um, that you may travel for – there's been times in my career that I've probably racked three, four, five thousand 5,000 miles – literally, and never thrown my rope. 
That's hard. Yeah. But it's as equally it's equally as hard on your partner because they feel right, terrible. Right. You know, for sure. That's what, yeah. Either and if direction. they don't, you need a different partner. I mean, right. you need somebody that, Hey, I'm in this for us, not just for me. And I think that's another thing that's evolved in team roping is you're, you're seeing more of a team building deal rather than just heading and heading and healing. And that's right. what just like Tanner and I, we roped in 2021 and I sat at this table with him before we roped and said, a lot nicer than T. Woolman would have handled it. I said, this is how this is going to be, and this is how we – this is what equals success. Are you in? Yeah. It's going to take some building blocks. And and we did that, and that's what Trevor and I did. That what made it awesome is he was <laughs> – I probably wasn't as good at this as he as he was, but it was always his fault. Like, if I missed, he yeah. blamed it on himself. He's like, yeah. man, I should have done a better job. Yeah. I was fine with that. I was fine with him blaming me. Like I'm like, you're, you, you know, you, now that I think about it, you're right. I, yeah, that was your that fault, was your man. Fault. So, hey, let's get on to that next one. You need to do a better job, okay? So, but we did, he was, he knew, what I tell people, the smartest thing he ever did was he knew that the more confident I was, the more beneficial it is for him. Uh-huh. You know, where most team ropers don't realize that. When you're rolling your head in the arena, when your partner misses or whatever, you, you don't win without them. Right. So the more pressure you put on them by your attitude and your actions, the more money you're costing yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. So it is no doubt. It is such a different ball game. It I is. can only imagine. Yeah. What did you what did you personally do? backing in the box after three or 4,000 miles of whether it's you didn't swing your rope or you might have come in off of you, you came off a few misses, like mentally, what did you have to do to put yourself in a position to win? You know, I've, uh, one of the lines I use is that um, confidence without preparation is arrogance. And I think that yeah. people get where you get your true confidence is in the practice pen. And uh, what I mean by that is foundationally, so many people spend all their time, they'll read help books, they'll read, you know, mind strengthening, all these things to try to get your mind right. Your foundation is what confidence comes from. And I'll never forget riding into the box the first time in 2003 for my NFR. I'm roping with Matt Tyler. I've never been here. I'm scared to death. And I watched the same thing happen this year with Tanner. The nerves that you have prior to riding in the box are the worst of it. But when you ride in there, if you're doing your homework at home, if your horse is foundationally sound, your ropes and your roping and everything is foundationally sound, when you ride in, it's a steer. It's dirt. This is what we do. I'm prepared. When I can tell myself that, I'm that kind of guy. I have to feel I can't go skiing for two weeks or vacation and then back in at Denver and feel great about it. I've just mentally not built that way. I have to feel like I'm grinding, right? And I'm I'm earning it. You know what I mean? Trevor was not so much that way. He he was really good at always being just confident that he's going to turn steers. And so, when you ask me what clicks for me, I always pick something out, and I have to remind myself I'm fundamentally sound. This yep. is what I do. I know where to be. It's a steer. I know how to do my job. Make sure that I'm picking something out, whether it's I'm going to leave here and get my distance where I can see my target. Just one one thing. You can't go through a checklist in three seconds, four seconds. You just can't yeah. do it. you got to react. But the reaction comes from your preparation at home. Right. Now, 
I do want to be clear on there's nothing like competing. Nothing will sharpen you like competing. But you have to be prepared to compete. You know what I mean? And you can't just go jackpot all the time yeah. without building a foundation and here and slowing down and doing all that stuff. So, um, And then mentally, I think that's where the mental toughness comes in. When you miss a few, partner misses a few, whatever, you have to have that reset button. And it, maybe it's at the practice pin. So I might not have got to throw for a few times, a few thousand miles. I'm going to whip in somewhere, somebody on the road, rope a few steers with my partner. And when I back in the box, I have to convince myself that he's fixing to spin the wheels off this one. I need to be ready. Or I'm fixing to heel this steer down because I know what I, I'm going to get myself in this position and let my react, let my instincts to what I've built take over. Yeah. You know, that's how you get out of the slump. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. You do, you do have to believe in yourself, but you know, I can't just believe myself into shooting 70 on the golf course. I've tried it. <laughs> it doesn't work. You can't. Yeah. You can't. I believe that a hundred percent. Like <laughs> just speaking things into existence to me just, is a hard thing to wrap my mind around. Yeah, no, and it's the same way with pray with praying. I, I'm a huge believer in God, and without God, I would not be sitting here today, in this room telling these stories. But God doesn't do things for you. He we are made in His image, and He gives us the ability to do things. But He's not going to do it for us. Yeah, and that's what I tell people: if if you could pray to win, I'd have picked lottery. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pick rodeo. <laughs> I don't want to win twenty six hundred. I want to win twenty six million. Right, right. So, don't you don't pray to win, but I can pray for an opportunity, opportunity, wisdom, the right way to communicate with somebody, the right sponsor, the right horse purchase, the right you know direction to go, whatever. And then it's up to me to perform at that point. And if I'm not putting in the hours, he ain't, God ain't gonna heal the steer for me. Right, that's up to me. But he can give me confidence in. I know, I know the Lord's with me. I know we're going to do this. I know, I know that no matter what happens in this, we're going to be all right. Ride the roller coaster. And uh, Claire Brown Cooper used to say, the less of this you can have and the more of this you can have rodeo and the better. You know. How, in what ways through rodeo has your faith grown? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a loaded question because um, with rodeo, I also say that rodeo years are like dog years, I swear. One year rodeo is like seven. Like you're driving yeah. your, with your partner 24-7 when you don't want to be with them, when you don't want to be with and you got to show up every day. And so it's mentally draining and grueling on families, on friends, on finances, whatever it is. And, and mostly on what we're talking about is when you do everything and you're prepared and you have – you know, everybody builds this dream up right now. It's January. I'm flying out tonight for Denver. Everybody's excited about 2023. NFR, new goals, new dreams. When you get hammered to your knees by the end of February and right. you've spent thousands and things aren't working, your horse gets hurt, your my rig got totaled the day before Thanksgiving. The guy fell asleep and ran across the road and hit it and totaled it. And I'm rigless at this point. But – you just have to deal with things in your faith, or my faith is the way that I know I'm going to be all right. I mean, God's going to give me strength, give me wisdom, and 
it's a lot easier for me to say this coming off of the kind of NFR we just had. I'm so, so grateful for that. But I've been on both sides. Like I said, I've left there with 2,700 and this year 200. And you just have to know um, it's just one ripple in the pond, man. Like it, it's it, this, what feels like life or death is not life or death. It's really not. It's just one run, one season. What are you doing about it? What are you doing to either get better, to stay good at what you're doing, to stay in that groove? And that's where my faith comes in because when you remove everything about this is your identity and realize that if I make the finals again this year, if I win the world this year, if I finish 16th or 50th, it doesn't really, in the big scheme of yeah. things, change who I am as a father, as a husband, as a man of faith. That's where I think we all get watered down with too much mindset on materialistic things of dictating who we are. Right. Yeah, I was uh, I was at a rodeo school and once when I was a long time ago, and uh, Chance Smart, he was a bull rider. I don't know if you remember Chance, but from Wyoming, and I was just overheard him talking to uh, Matt. Heck, what was that? Bull riding world champion, Matt. Uh, anyways, it'll come to me here in a minute. I apologize, Matt. But uh, Austin, Matt Austin. Anyways, oh, they yeah, were both Matt talking. Austin. And uh, Chance was like, um, he was like, well, what happens if you don't make the NFL? Like they were talking about it, you know, like in our minds, like that's like the the worst possible outcome ever. Yeah. And then he said, and somebody asked Chance, he was like, what happens if you don't make the NFR? Like, well, I guess I'm going to try to make it next year. Yeah. He's like, well, what, if it, what happens if you don't make it then? Well, I guess I'll try to make it the next year. You know, and, <laughs> and it was, it's just pretty simple. Yeah. You know? It really and, is. And, and I think that's advice for somebody that is, is uh, overcomplicating it. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's some people that uh, need to realize that it's, it's not the end of life if you no. don't. You know, and some people need to get more serious about it, but it's all about where you're at. But to that point, I yeah, what, what are you doing about it? That's what you've got to ask yourself. If you didn't make it, what are you doing about it? Don't don't wait on this to come to you because I'm right. telling you, it won't. And that's what I told Tanner when we started roping and we didn't make the finals in 2021, but I knew he had everything and beyond to do this. But it was going to take some foundational building and, and you can't just rope good. Right. You've got to learn to take care of your horse. You've got to learn to ride your horse in different scenarios. You've got to learn there's a big difference and knowing how to rope and knowing how to compete. There are times that you need to be three, and there are times that you need to be seven mm -hmm. to win $50,000. You can't just know how to be three. Right. You have to understand how to compete, and that comes from what you're talking about. When you don't do good, what are you doing about it? What's the missing link? Why yeah. are we not doing good? Sometimes it's the draw. Sometimes it's the how we're getting up. Or, you know, of course there's bad luck in this, and luck of the draw, and, if you draw one that drags or runs versus or one that doesn't buck, whatever it is, that's that's rodeo. Right. But throwing your sucker in the dirt and whining about it is not progressing you. It's not making you better. It's not making your surroundings better, your kids, your family, your partners. You might as well have that attitude of what are we going to do. So another quick story, Trevor and I were, um, I don't even remember what year it was, but we were like 17th or 18th in the world at Pendleton. Hadn't had a very good year. Had a lot of horse issues. And I'm sure Trevor's heading issues. And uh, <laughs> we were not making it. And 
I roped a leg, I think, on the very first year at Pendleton. And I went to the trader, and I was like, I did exactly what we're talking about. I'm done. This is it. My career is over. I'm yeah. done. We're not going to make the finals. I had all that negative, all that stuff. And I think we had six or seven rodeos left, like El Paso and Albuquerque. And there's all these, you know, Logan, Utah, all these little rodeos. And uh, I said, go to his rig, and I'm talking. And he can already tell when I'm walking up. I, you know, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like me with my kids now. I'm like, stop. Right. Start over. Stop. <laughs> Don't even start talking. And I said, hey, man, I'm sorry, you know. I don't know what we're going to do. We've only got this many left, and, and we're at this point, and these guys did good, and these guys did good, and that's going to put us here. I said, what do you think we need to do? And he goes, well, I know what I'm going to do. I said, what? He goes, I'm going to turn you steers to win some of these next six rodeos. That's all I can do, and we'll just have to let them add the money up at the end. Yeah, pretty simple. We place at the next six rodeos. We win the second go-round at Pendleton and make the short round 12th call. 12th high, high team, they take 12 back, win the short round, win third in the average, and win $14,000 there, get into the tour finale and win 22000 at the tour finale and go in fourth in the world. <laughs> Dang, fourth in the world. <laughs> wow. Same thing. What happens if my, you know, my mentality or – Sitting down with him, what if he falls in with me? I said, "Man, I don't know. We suck. Yeah, yeah. We didn't do this, but I just didn't know enough. I didn't. Right. I hadn't lived on the side of both sides of it. Of which one of these? What am I doing about my attitude? Yeah. What am I doing to control the situation rather than get controlled by the situation? And that is, if I could give kids out there, it doesn't matter really. It doesn't matter if you're seventy years old. We can always get mentally tougher." And I think that's what separates people like Trevor. And everybody has their way. T. Woolman had his way of being mentally tough, and it worked for him. Yeah. Just not for anybody around him. Yeah. <laughs> but he was super mentally tough. And Tre Trevor did it and had fun doing it. Well, and I mean, the other side of that coin, like what I was talking about with Chance, as far as like try to make it the next year, and the next year was, you know, with rodeo, we all do have a window. That that uh, you know, Clint Cannon was at the house yesterday, and he was talking to a guy, an intern that's riding bareback horses, and he was talking about just going all in, and you you do have that window, and it's a small window compared mm -hmm. to life, and uh, I guess to hear you describe that, it makes it sound like like you're in that position, and each time you're you know rope a leg at Pendleton, you feel like all right, well my window's closed, yeah, that's, that's it, it. Yeah. no more yeah. no more rodeo, yeah. you know. But, I mean, that was – I don't know what year you said, 2018 or something. No, it was probably maybe 16, 15. I don't yeah. even remember what year it was. It's been several years back. But, but yeah, it's been several years, yeah. and here you are. Oh, I've said that hundreds of times <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the last 20 <laughs> right. years. That, that was it. Right. That was it. I've, I roped a, a leg uh, one year to win the George Strait team roping, and I, it paid $120,000 in a truck and a trailer. Wow. And I roped a leg. And I roped for Trev, no, for Clay Trine. We had won the rope in the year before. We just won it. Turn around, we're high team back again to win it, and made a mental mistake of trying not to lose. The steers come out, step left. I backed off, didn't let him go left because we had a little more time, and just a mental mistake and got myself in a bad position. Rope the leg. Left there, went straight to Houston, and. 
Trevor and I split Houston with player Brian Cooper, and they had to have a rope off for the championship for Houston. Player Brian Cooper, we flip a coin, he goes first, he ropes a leg, has a terrible steer, ropes a leg. We have a terrible steer, and we know it. And I had 12 seconds or something like that to win Houston. And Trevor lets the steer out, runs him way down, like puts it all on me. Like, hey, I'm going to take forever right here. <laughs> so you have to catch two feet, okay? But, no, I mean, really, he did the right thing. We just got to catch. Just what I just told you a minute ago. You got to have this in your bag. And I heal the steer, and my loop goes all the way up, almost pantyhoses him, and comes back down and slips a leg, and I'm like 12-3. Ah. So I just left George Strait, wrote the leg to win it, just get done, rope a leg to win Houston. And that's a lot. Uh, yeah. Especially, that's all I had. Dang. All I had was rodeo. I didn't have any business, anything else going on. But same, same thing. I've, the mental pressure you put on yourself. And this, that was it. My sponsors are done with me. My, yeah. uh, my fans are done with me. I'm a loser. You know, all these things that you start telling yourself that I'll never be able to compete like this again. And you can't, you cannot let that enter your mind. And I end up winning. Trevor and I win the BFI the next spring. Big rodeo. I win the American. Um, come back and have some major wins after that. And I'm not going to mention any names, but I had one guy that was an NFR guy call me after all this. He said, I just need to know how you did that. And I'm like, what is this? Like 7 o'clock in the morning he calls me. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you roped a leg. He went back through it. This had been a couple of years later. Yeah. He said, I just want to know how you handled that. Because he said, they'd have found me in a ditch somewhere. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have taken it. He said, just tell me, how did you, how did you do it? And I said, well, if you think I walked out of there smiling and went and, you know, yeah. ate Del Frisco's on the way home or something, you're crazy. Uh, it was miserable. But this is not who I am. This doesn't define me. I can't come home. And be a miserable father, a miserable husband, a yeah. miserable partner, because I've screwed up. And one of the best things that, again, I've heard Trevor say is, if you want to be the guy that's willing to take the winning shot, you better be willing to be the guy that lost the game. Yeah. Because you're not always going to make the shot. Yeah. So if, you're, if you want to rodeo and you want to go to places like Houston and the American, you better be willing to go to places like that and screw up on a world stage to win them. Yep. Because I've won them and lost them. And there's a huge difference in the two when you leave the parking lot, but you cannot let it define you. And you can't, you've got to just look at it as that one ripple in the pond. You throw a rock and it's just one ripple. Get over it. Get to yeah. work. What am I doing about it? They're going to have the one tomorrow. And it only takes a little bit of winning to put some salve on it. You know? <laughs> that was one thing I observed uh living with uh jacobs crawley he got on a lot of bucking horses he 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 rode most all of the bucking horses i've seen i've only seen him buck off a few but when he did he had just a uncanny ab ability to shake it off mm -hmm. relatively soon and um anyhow that was something that i always admired about him i i tend to wear it a little longer yeah me too hey <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, for those of you that have seen me wear it longer, I've, I'm not here to tell you that I didn't. <laughs> and I've always, I, I tell the story that when I first started roping with Trevor, I would get mad because he would miss 
And before we were in the truck, he's either on the phone laughing or right. doing, you know, pull, yeah. pulling a prank. And I'm like, hey, yeah. is there a roping dummy that you need to be roping or something right now? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what are you doing? We're supposed to be sad. <laughs> Stop laughing. Okay? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, he'll laugh at this. But as a person, you can't help that. You know, he might miss three in a row in the team roping, and he's winning everything in the calf roping, and he's just laughing. I'm like, hey. You want to start splitting that calf rubber money with me? Is that what you want to do? I'll laugh with you then. How about that? You know, yeah. total immaturity on my part. If I at that point, if I knew then what I know now, which is what I said earlier, it's in my best interest that Trevor is over it. Yeah, and that he is having fun, right. and that Absolutely. he knows his partner's behind him, and he believes he's going to spend spend the next one every single time, even when he didn't. You believe the next one, the next one, the next one, whatever it is, we can only control the next one. We can't control what right. we've already done. Yeah. Did you uh did you have a horse Woody? I did have a horse Woody. Was how long did you have him? Man, wow. Yeah. I mean, this is a long time ago. Which one? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I had his brother. Um You had Woody's brother. Yeah, we th- I think they called him. I hear that every day. Yeah, they called him Little, Little Woody. Little Woody, and then uh, I had the big Woody. Yeah, and then we we yeah. ca- I called him Bonsai. Bonsai, because you know, like a little Woody. Uh, what what, what color good. was he? He's a sorrel. Yeah, and uh, I did have one on Woody. I do- I Doctor Deerlin's on him one winter. He was an athletic son of. a – He didn't have papers. They didn't get it. Walter and Conley. And they did, for some reason he just didn't end up with papers. That's why. Usually so, something's wrong with a horse. If I have it, <laughs> if they do have papers, they either buck or, you know, whatever, run backwards, you know, flip over, yeah. stuff like that, or they don't have papers and yeah. they're just a horse. But that was the nicest horse I think I've ever had, most athletic. Well, like the ad, the thrifty nickel ad said, the guy that had the horses for sale, and he said, you know, we have sound, pretty, and gentle. You can pick you pick two. Right. <laughs> pick two of the three. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can't have all three. Yeah, most of my horses have one of the three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I did have Woody. And uh, actually the greatest heel horse of all time, in my opinion, was a horse I had, Amigo, that I won, that Trevor and I won the world on when I was riding him. And um, he came from Walter and Conley Donnell. Oh, really? Conley had him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I rode him for about a year, and then I sold him to Caleb Schmidt. Oh, yeah. And then I don't know what he did with him. But speaking of horses, I don't see a painting of chance anywhere in here. No, there's no painting of chance. <laughs> just seems like he, an important part of the story. Chance was an important part of the story, <laughs> but man, he was <laughs> uh, again, just a lot of miles on that horse. I, when I got chance, um, I shouldn't tell this <laughs> probably, but I, he hated me and the feeling was mutual. Like we hated each other. He yeah. would bite me. He would, rightfully so, because he was my only horse. I didn't know what I was doing. I would head on him, heel on him, whatever. Yeah. And he was also my transportation to get there. Right. So we hated each other. But, I mean, his back would get sore, you know, and I would cut holes out of my saddle pads and just have a big gaping yeah. hole for, <laughs> to try to relieve some of the soreness. And, um, but... We hated each other, and I'll never forget. I was fighting with him and fighting with him, trying to get. He just wouldn't get in the box, and it was really hot. And I was in Johnson City, Texas, at this guy's house, and he had nine steers. And we get turned in for this, and I said, "I am going to rope 
on this horse today. I was with my buddy Jeremy. I said, I'm, we're not stopping until he stops, until he quits, gets in the box. And we roped. I probably literally ran 90 or 100 head on him that day. Dang. And it was an absolute fight to get him in the box. And as Walt Woodard says, like, you know, a horse won't get in the box, and so they want to get over here. Right. And he tells the story. He said, you know, I couldn't get my horse in the corner. He would always shift over here to this side. So I started going from here. And you know what? Before long, I couldn't get him on either side. <laughs> That's exactly what happened with us. I'm like, we're going to go from wherever you'll get by the box. So before long, he wouldn't get close to the box. He knew that anywhere around there. And we fought and fought and fought. And true story, I stayed on him and stayed with it. And what they call break their wheel is this at this point was about who's going to win this battle. Yeah. And I fought him and fought him. And I'll ride him back up. We brought the steers back up again. He takes – I go to kick him in the box and, or towards it, and he stops. And he sits there, and he takes a deep breath. I thought he might be fixing to die. I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah. a big, deep breath and walks in the box. He's just like, I'm going to try something Done. new. <laughs> Done. I promise. No different – I mean, no, no exaggerating. Never another problem. Would run, would, he still was terrible to rope on, but he would get in. It, that was over. He literally broke his will. Like, you, I'm done fighting. You had, like, challenges, challenging horses like that that made you appreciate. Oh, man, yes. Something like <laughs> Jaws. and The great ones are there. there is nothing. Um, all of my great years are tied to great horses. Right. And it doesn't matter how good you rope, and especially in this day and age with the way that horse market is and the, the breeding programs and all the knowledge that's out there, you better have you a good one nowadays. So just getting by is not good enough anymore. But you guys don't really have necessarily have the time to make one. No, but with these programs, with all the new faturity, rope horse faturities and stuff, and the people like Trevor that has, I mean, he's just always got good horses and, you know, so many of these other guys are doing the same thing. I did make mine used to. I would, I got them when they were five, and I just put them in the arena and went to roping on them and put them in the, uh, as a matter of fact, Amigo, when I bought him, he was green. Um, two green to rodeo on, and that was in 2000, and I bought him at the, at the end of 06, and in 2007, he won Hill Horse of the Year. Dang. And just fell in, super talented. That wasn't me. He had it in him. But just put him in the program because nothing teaches them. Like sometimes you don't really know yeah. how good they are until you got to rely on them. And yeah. Once you're past, obviously the green, the stages yeah. of breaking them and getting them in. But he just fell in, and that's what makes a great one is the ones that just they want to win and they want to be a, yeah. on the team. So, yes, very much so. I'm very appreciative <laughs> to this day of the great ones, the ones that when I get on them, I can think about what I need to do. Yeah. And not think about not pushing 19 different wrong buttons. Right. I get us in a bind right here. I'm just, I'm just floored at team roping as a whole. Like what, everything that goes on, you know, like in rough stock, it's like you draw this animal, you perform on this animal. And there's just so much that you don't have to, even if you draw bad, like, okay, I perform the best I can on this animal. And the fundamentals are the fundamentals, you know, lift, stay back or, mm-hmm. you know, go to the front and the bull ride and whatever. But the, but with team roping, it's just like your mind, your performance, your horse 
his performance, your partner, his, I mean, it's five, six different things yeah. going on. Five different minds, five brains running down there. Well, right. four and a half with a header, but yeah, it's <laughs> five different brains running down the arena at the same time. You yeah. got to get them all on the same page. And you're also elevated by, and I'm sure it's that way in the rough stock. You're elevated by competition absolutely, to an extent, but still you can only get so much out of what you're doing, right? You can only get so much out of a bull, so much out of a bron- like your best ride, your best ride in the team roping. That's kind of by the competitiveness in it. Like you want to get, do I have to be three, five or do I have to be four, seven yeah. on this cow? What do I have to do? And it just depends on how kind of that's all going. And that may mm-hmm. be similar in the rough stock, but there's, there is so much about being on the same page with your horse, with your partner and how we're going to react to each situation scenario yeah that uh it's crazy to me about that story being in the position i'm in with interns you know right now we've got nine interns and probably take another one this spring but typically it's somebody i think there's four of them are bull riders two bronc riders and and a bareback rider and um everybody's got a goal to you know pursue a dream in the industry but um, the cool thing about this story is it's literally one of those, like, just how bad do you want it? How far are you yeah. willing to go? Yeah. You know, are you willing to work at Chili's? Are you willing to spend your your only dollar on yeah. what you need to compete? Put your phone down for a minute and work. Yeah, yeah. that's, what, that's yeah. what this generation yeah. needs to hear is quit watching everybody else right? and what they're doing. It's okay. to, to There's a lot of great information. There's some great podcasts out there nowadays, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. There's one good one. <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> this one. When you said you were taking one more intern this year, was that an invitation? Was that like a? Did you wink when you said that? I mean, if you if you, I don't. I'll send t- me your resume. I'll see. I'll see send what me I your do. resume. You got some things to work on. We'll talk about. We'll, it. we'll, we'll <laughs> no, consider I, it. I just think that this generation needs needs to know technology is great, but grit it, in rodeos it's the grind. There's yeah. there you can't you can't buy your way in. You better you have to want it. Yeah, and that's what I my son Eli. He's nine years old. My daughter's fourteen now and eleven. They're getting into barrel racing and you know may possibly break away now and all these different things. And I just tell every one of them. I always tell them, you can do whatever. I believe in you. You know you think I can do this? Of course I do. But do you? And do you want it? That's what I always say. You can do whatever you want to do, but don't sit and watch the motivational videos all day long. Yeah. And positive think your way into, you're going to positive think your way into being broke. Yeah. Thinking, positive thinking goes great with hard work. Right. But you got to do the hard work. You, there is no way around. One of my favorite sayings is choose your pain. There is no painless way out. Choose the pain of sacrificing the time and the effort in the arena or choose the pain of driving the hours and not being competitive. Which one do you want to do? Yeah. Because the pain, it's, there is no pain free way out of being successful. And that's in business. That's in family. It's in rodeo. It does not matter what you're doing. Discipline and, and the work you put in is where you reap what you sow. End of story. Well, you brought up business and we've talked about the window and, after the window, when you decide to close your window of rodeo, and what's 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 next for Patrick? So we have uh, Trevor and I actually went into business with with a couple of other uh, great friends of ours years ago, and we started a company called Driven Services, 
and they're out in West Texas. My brother who fired me, he works for us now. Atta boy. <laughs> another, another awesome deal. Yeah. Yeah. So watch your back. Turn of events. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I tell him that all the time. I said, I still owe you a fire. Yeah. So yeah. Be careful. Watch how you're walking here. Um, <laughs> Driven Services, it's a rental company. Um, we, with, we rent things in the oil field like trash traders, Porter Johns, just small rental stuff, some combo traders, Hydrovac trucks, um, Hydrotest, Torque and Test for. That's lingo that you guys may or may not understand. We've all yeah. recently got into um, directional drilling, boring. We're laying fiber or you know fiber optic cable, doing some stuff for AT and T down in Laredo. So we're expanding in that, and I, I love the same way. It's so funny to me being the age I am and living what I've lived through in the two decades of rodeo. It's parallels. Everything parallels. How bad do you want it? Right. Are we going to work at it, or are we going to talk about it? There's and failures. I'll, How do you respond to it? Hey, and I've failed so many times in business just on sheer not wanting it bad enough. Right. Not wanting to su- succeed, but just starting it in a direction and then hoping that it would continue on course. That's not how it works. It's a daily. You got to get up daily. Yeah. You better be up practicing, healing. You better be up reading reports, being on the phone with your guys, conference calls, whatever it is. And I mean, yeah. I've spent 10 years doing that. So, that's next for me. I've got a breeding program started with race. Uh, it's called RaisingRoosters.com with Rooster, the stud that I ride. Um, that's something I'm kind of looking forward to is the futurity stuff. He's a Riata Buckle stallion. And, um, man, I'm, I like land. I like doing stuff with land. I, I like um, just anything I do, I like to do it and see if I can get better at it and improve. Yep. And I think that's a good attitude to have for – I've. I just want to make everything better than it is today, you know? Yeah. Get better. Because getting older, that doesn't really get better. But doesn't mean right. we can't. What does get better is the knowledge if you take it, you know? And I, I've learned a lot of lessons. And I'm so grateful for rodeo because without rodeo, you know, so many guys rodeo for a living for so long, and then they get bitter at it. They hate it when they're done with it. Because rodeo doesn't send you a farewell card. Right, they could care less when you roll out. Don't let yep. the door hit you, you know. So, right. there's none of that, and I think it's a bitterness in there. And I, I look at it differently. It has been such a vehicle to so many opportunities, so many people that love rodeo, love roping, that have avenues of business and knowledge that I don't have that I've had the pleasure of sitting down with and picking their brain, no different than they ask me about their horse or about healing, I'll turn around and ask them about business. Yeah. What, how did you do this? What, you, what do you recommend this? Do you recommend I do this? And just like I would tell them, absolutely don't go this route. Yeah, if you want to do this, I think that's a great idea. There's so much opportunity that comes from this. And I think that's another thing for the youth out there that's watching. Don't just get tunnel vision for roping. This is a business or riding or Whatever it is you're doing, have a broad enough vision that you realize don't miss opportunity. Opportunity knocks every day if you're hustling, every yeah. day. And you can be, be a man or woman of integrity, follow through, do what you say you're going to do, call people back, text them back, do whatever. For those of you I can call back, text back, I will, sorry. Um, whatever it is, just have follow through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, this generation in this world is making it easy to be successful because all you got to do is show up. That's it. Yeah. You want to be successful, you got to show up and 
that's what a lot of people aren't doing anymore. They just they're worried about them and their time and so much opportunity out there for those that are willing to grind. Yeah, no what it is. Well, that's a cool message. Yeah. I think we have a place for you. Uh, yeah, at rodeo time. <laughs> if you do I'll want see, to enter, I'll see what I can do. Right. Yeah. I just I I just appreciate the part of you know I mean you looking for opportunities. That's what you were ready for, and you. Uh, I know just being being prepared for that, you know, in the most high pressure situations, some people just want it handed to them. But it sounds like you uh, you understood the value of, yeah, just I mean, just wanting an opportunity more than anything else, and that's yeah. I don't know that's so cool. Well, and I'll tell you this too, just to kind of wrap that up. But I, and I mean this when I say it, I really when I tell these stories like this, it does. You, I do reminisce, and it is crazy to me. I, uh, I don't feel like I came from that or even or I should actually say I don't feel like I've accomplished as much rodeo and I'd never would have dreamed that I've been as fortunate and as blessed as I am to be sitting here but you never quit learning and that's what I that's what I want to encourage is yes I accomplished my dreams but I'm no better than I was I'm no better than anybody else you still I just want to stay hungry yeah stay hungry for what's next stay hungry for how am I a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better this? Because, man, you just get busy. Life right. gets busier the older you get. My kids are now in all this stuff and my businesses and my sponsors that I'm so grateful for all of it in this win- the windows of opportunity. But as I, as I start back from the flyer on the wall in the school and chilies and stuff, each step of my career and each step of my life felt like at that moment – this is the breakthrough. This is it. Yep. This is my opportunity. And that's great. But when you get it, stay hungry. Yes, What's sir. next? Don't just live on the 2005 World Championship. And right. I'm a world champion now and <laughs> running around with my nose in there. You know, I'm no, di- nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> this is about me. It was me against me. I wanted to do it and I did yep. it for me. I didn't do it. Uh, I mean, it's great to have my name in the books with my mentors and my heroes, but it's not about that. It's about how do I better myself? How do I better my surroundings, my family? And I want to instill my our everything we do is driven. That's our name. Driven services, my driven series and my teachings, and that's our life. And our slogan is stay driven. And we, I want to help others understand the opportunities that we have, the opportunities that have, have come our way and that have been taken advantage of to where we accomplished them are there for everyone. It's not, I promise you, it wasn't, I wasn't born talented with a rope. I can assure you, I have video footage. Yeah. Proof to you. <laughs> I got proof. It's not that. I was terrible with a horse and there's still so many things that I'm learning today about roping and about riding and about business. Just stay hungry and stay driven. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it's about. If you want to succeed at something, don't take no for an answer and just outgrind everybody else. That's crazy. You got a lot of sponsors on your shirt, but when we first sat down, uh, I saw that driven electric on your collar and I, for some reason I was like, that's his. Yeah. Yeah. That one, he, that one's his. Um, <clears throat> but I, I didn't, I didn't realize that's, I didn't realize it until you said it, but well, uh, usually we, wrap these up with life advice, but I feel like that's what that pretty redundant. We didn't have to come in from us right now. We didn't, didn't have to ask up, you but, yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. So I'll just say when life hands you lemons, put a bull rope on them. 
but that's all I got. But yeah. yeah. So, well, thank you everybody for listening. Rodeo time podcast, tuning into Patrick Smith. Watch out for him. Looks like he's headed to Denver. He's on to the next one. Just like we are. Pow, pow. Donnie, cue the music. Thank you.